you may think you had a good weekend. You know, weather was nice. You went out. You were with family. You had a good time, right? You feel like you had a good weekend. Cam, you feel like you had a good weekend? No, but... Okay, well, Cam's a terrible example then. Uh, but you <laughs> may be sitting at work in a good mood and saying, yeah, I had a good weekend this weekend. Cut the grass. Got the grocery shopping done. Still had time just kind of hang out around the house. Maybe you went out and saw the new Batman movie, which I did. We may talk about that here a little bit, but... No, I, I but didn't get to see it. It's not a spoiler. There's no spoilers. Okay, but, cool. Uh, so you, you think you had a good weekend. You did not have a better weekend than Jordan Davis. <laughs> and you most certainly did not have a better recruiting weekend than the University of Georgia. But we got to dive into it because, listen, Todd McShay, one of the, well, you say five leading draft experts out there. I might put him number one. Over I like Kuiper? Over, I like him over Kuiper. Over yeah. Jordan Reed? Yeah, I definitely like him over Kuiper. I love Mel Kuiper too. But I'll take Todd All McShay. Right, so Todd McShay is certainly, like, certainly top five. This is from Todd McShay. I'm still trying to process what we all saw. My Mount Rushmore of all-time combine performances has long been Calvin Johnson, Vernon Davis, and Adrian Peterson. Now there's finally a fourth. Howard Davis's testing numbers even possible at six foot six, three hundred and forty-one pounds. Now, for those of you out there who did not see what happened this weekend, Jordan Davis, again, Georgia's nose tackle, six six. 341 pounds, said he played about 350 to 360 during the season. Mm-hmm. He ran a 478. Mm-hmm. A 478 for reference. That is faster than Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP, Patrick Mahomes. So uh-huh. that means that means if Patrick Mahomes drops back. And he has to boot out to the right because Jordan Davis is coming through the middle. Jordan Davis is going to be gaining on Patrick Mahomes in the open field. Yeah. Man, and then I, I also see Kyron Williams, who's one of the top running backs in the draft from Notre Dame. He ran a 4-7. Jordan Davis ran a 4-7. I'm Correct. Like, Man, wow. Okay. So, so Jordan Davis did that. Uh, and then he, at, again, 341 pounds, had a 10-foot, 3-inch broad jump. That is an NFL combine record for anyone over 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. So 301 pounds, you're in that category. Jordan Davis at 341 can jump further than you. For reference, Trevon Walker, who after this combine performance, we're going to kind of talk about a bunch of the Georgia guys here. After that combine performance, he's being projected as potentially a top 10, maybe even a top 5 pick. He had a 10-foot, 3-inch broad jump at 260 pounds. So Jordan Davis at almost 100 pounds heavier had the same broad jump as Trevon Walker. I mean, 32-inch vertical jump. Cam, 32, I mean, standing still on the ground, Jordan Davis at 340-plus pounds can jump almost three feet just straight up. Mm, That's kind of crazy, you know, being 6'6", 340, moving like that. You know, I mean, was I actually wasn't shocked, though. Well, I don't think anybody's shocked. After you watched him these past few years, just able to track dudes down the line and how he was able to get sideline to sideline, the quick penetration he got. But I don't think anybody expected this. Like I said, Mel Kuyper's comparing his combine performance to Vernon Davis and Adrian Peterson and Calvin Johnson. Yeah, when you're in the conversation with those three, that's as best as it gets, especially Calvin Johnson and Adrian Peterson. And Vernon Davis, you know how good he was with the 49ers. I mean, it's a good combine. I think not only – I mean, obviously he's helped his draft stock, but you could potentially see him – 
top 15. I wouldn't say top 10, but top 15 most definitely. Well, so, so the concern around Jordan Davis is, is he only a two-down player? That's where a lot of teams are maybe getting stuck on him because when it comes to a pass rush situation, can he stay on the field? I, again, we just said he ran a faster 40 than Patrick Mahomes. NFL is a little bit different, too, um, than college football. Like, you know, college football is a little bit more up-tempo, faster pace. NFL is a little slowed down, too. Um, I think I think NFL is getting more that way, but I think the thing with the NFL, the biggest difference is you can't have 100 guys on the sideline. Right? Yeah. You have 53, so maybe teams have any concern is, do we really want to take up one roster spot for a guy who, albeit extremely athletic and very good for his position, could only be on the field on first and second down? I will put it like he has to go to like the right organization, the right team that's going to like utilize him correctly. And I'm saying that because the Falcons would not utilize him correctly. Oh, they would it'd be <laughs> so good. It'd they be so would, good. but I just don't. You know how we are. We don't do well with trench guys, which I hope that could change one day. Hashtag Grady Jarrett. Come on, yeah. Now. Hashtag great, but we haven't done done any. We haven't done. done to we get haven't him done right by Grady Jarrett. We haven't. <laughs> but imagine him on a team like Jordan Davis per se on the Eagles. That's like a match made in heaven. Like, they have all those defensive linemen like Graham and Fletcher Cox. You pair him with Fletcher Cox, now Jordan Davis, regardless if he stays on the field for first, second, down, I mean, he's getting one-on-ones all game, and that's not what you want to see. I think the comp for Jordan Davis is probably Vita Vea. Oh, from Tampa, yeah. Like, And I think, if he, I think if he can be that kind of player, I think he should certainly be a top 20 pick. If like, he slims down to like 330. No, he's about as slim as he's going to get, dude. Yeah, he does. He doesn't even look. I wouldn't want to say he doesn't look fat. Like this was he just this was big. this was peak Jordan Davis physical condition for the combine. And he weighed three hundred forty one pounds. He just told you last year during Georgia's national championship season, which a lot of guys kind of lean out during the season because you're mm-hmm. practicing so much and playing so much. Dude was weighing between three fifty and three sixty. So he that's that's his playing weight, and just depending on what team he goes to, they might want him at that. Just. Somebody that can eat up two, three guys in the middle and still get a pass rush. Uh, Jordan Davis wasn't the only one from Georgia who had an unbelievable weekend. So Georgia had the top two 40 times from defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, I should say, right? Mm-hmm. Jordan Davis is number two. Number one, his running mate, Devonta Wyatt, with a four seven seven, And a lot of people were excited to see him after the senior bowl just because of how quick he is. Mm-hmm. I think he's played his way into certainly – being a first-round pick. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I remember before the combine and kind of senior bowl, they had him like second, third-round pick. And we saw, you know, the video of him. Who was it? Eating Cade Mays at the senior bowl? Yeah. Yeah, we saw that video. And then in the combine, you perform well. I think it would be a first-round pick, too. All these guys are going to be like literal steals because I don't know if any of them go in the top ten. But they're going to be they're going to be steals. I can say that. So I, I think Travon Walker – yeah, uh, pro- I think he probably goes top ten. So at six five, two hundred and seventy two pounds, Trevon Walker ran a four five one, which is faster than a lot of DBs. That's the same as Sauce Gardner Johnson. I'm pretty sure ran, and then also has a thirty five and a half inch vertical jump. Well, I believe the vertical jump. He was yeah. good at basketball in high well, school. Well, no, dude's different. <laughs> yeah, like his freshman <laughs> year at Georgia, maybe even a little bit of sophomore year, but certainly his freshman year, he was running down on kickoffs at two eighty. Yeah. The dude's athletic. Like, I, my first time well, seeing Ups and Lee, right? Yeah, yeah, Ups and Lee. They didn't lose a game when they played in high school. To like, you know, so he was he, – he could jump in basketball. So I believe all of that. Now, I know he's athletic, but playing his way into the top ten, 
I could solely believe that based on, you know, his potential, the way he moves, kind of like the traits and all that stuff. So I, I could possibly see that. Maybe I know the Jets are interested in another pass rusher. Uh, they could probably, I think they have two top 10 picks and the Giants have two top 10 picks. They're interested in the pass rusher. You could see that happening because I, I, I see now that people are not as high on Thibodeau as they were at the beginning of the season. Aiden Hutchinson, his hype is kind of dying down. I mean, not I, I, dying down. I don't know if his hype's dying down. I just think it's kind of like you don't want to be the Heisman favorite too early yeah. in the season, even though this it's there's no voting on this. It's just a team picking you. It's just with the public perception, he's been the number one overall pick, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. for so long now that I think people are getting bored. But I do think there's legitimate concerns about Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, he sat out some of the workouts uh, at the Combine, and there's some people who are just kind of questioning like his motor. Yeah, it's his just his wheel. drive for the game, which I think is interesting because it seems like any time a player steps outside of just the football field, because Kayvon Thibodeau was on the Fox National Championship broadcast mm-hmm. and was saying a whole lot of things on there. And so I think I wonder if that kind of hurt him in the public perception, which isn't going to matter for a football team taking him. But I don't know. I mean, I, I see Aiden Hutchinson, and I know I've been on this for a while, but I see Aiden Hutchinson, and I see him work out through the combine, and I, I don't see anything special. Like no. I, I, I think he's a, I think he's certainly deserving of being a first round pick as an edge rusher. Like I think, he, I, but is, is there anything different than a Travon Walker? Mm-hmm. Is there anything different than a Kayvon Thibodeau? I mean, no. Well, I mean, I agree with you. When I saw him at Michigan, he had a good game against Ohio State. He had it's three good games game. this year. Yeah, it's a rivalry game. You're supposed to play good, but for the most part. Aiden Hutchinson is a solid first-round pick. Nobody's denying that. But to say he's a top-five pick, I don't believe. I don't even think he's a top-ten pick. Um, Everyone certainly thinks he's the number-one overall pick. I don't I don't see what they're seeing in that situation, him being number-one. I don't see him being a top-ten pick just because of the fact, like, I don't know how high his ceiling is. Like, I know where his floor is at, which is right now. His floor is get eight to ten sacks a year. And you're a pretty solid NFL pass rusher. There's nothing wrong with that. Kind of like a Trey Hendrickson from the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, who gets you about eight to ten sacks, maybe lead the league in sacks for one year, like he did with the Saints. But you're not going to be a premier every down pass rusher for the rest for your entire career. I don't see that with him. I don't see that with Thibodeau. I see a lot of really solid pass rushers this year. But I will tell you this: I did fall into the hype. And uh, you know how big I was about Falcons not drafting the QB, and then next thing you know, Uh-oh. everybody's getting wild from Malik Willis. You knew that was going to happen, though. Yeah, but they Dude said he had for a arm. great week. They said he had a cannon for an arm, mobile, nailed the interviews. And then, and, then, and then just so happened to be helping a person out on the side of the street yeah. with a camera. I'm not saying, I'm not saying. I mean, not, I'm not know, saying I'm not that was set up. That. Nah, nah. I don't know if it was set up but or I, not. That, that certainly benefited but, him. But it's crazy, you know, he get, he, he's, they say he's been nailing interviews and now some people have been saying he's QB1 and I'm just like, Falcons, if he's there at eight and everybody's clamming for him and he has that strong arm and he he's mobile, Why not? Why not? Well, I've, I've had the same up. thought about this for the entire time. Is you need everything, yeah. and so if you think the guy at eight is your future franchise quarterback, yeah, if you're like this is I I can go ahead and start the secession line from Matt Ryan with this person, mm-hmm. to take him, it's fine. Like you, you can't don't o- want to be up you, there. Yeah, you can't overvalue your franchise quarterback, and you don't want to be in this position again next year because next this upcoming season you want to at but least do you, but do you want to be the Packers? Where you take yeah. Jordan Love and he hasn't done anything for your team now in what three years? 
Well, I don't think we have an Aaron Rodgers either. I love But Matt Ryan's going to be there for at least next year. No, no, no. Like no. The thought, the thought with the Packers was what has happened with the Packers was going to happen. Like That was mm-hmm. the thought. It's like they knew there was bad blood between ownership and between the coaching staff and Aaron Rodgers. And, okay, let's go get Jordan Love, and we're going to eventually transition away from Aaron Rodgers. I'll go as far and as saying this. now they're ready to make him the richest player in the history of the NFL. I'll go as far as saying this, though. So that's what happens when you reach on a quarterback. If we had Matt for this year and next year, I wouldn't do. be mad. You probably do. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad. If Malik Willis had to sit for two years, why not? Aaron Rodgers sat for three. Look how that turned out. You got a Super Bowl and four MVPs with him. Um, but I, I, I don't care how long Malik Willis has to sit out. As long as he's ready for for when he gets into the game, when it's time to come, he's ready to here's, play. Here's where, I, all that here's where I disagree with you, though, is I think – there's a couple of ways to win in the NFL. They're the most prominent ways, and we saw both of them on display this past season. Is One way is you have your franchise quarterback, and typically you're going to have to pay him, and so what you're hoping is I can pay my franchise quarterback and then I'll have some young wide receivers, young DBs, uh, rotating some guys in the defensive line, paying my left tackle probably big, and that's how I can work my salary cap structure. Flip side of it is you can kind of do what the Bengals did where and think early Legion of Boom, where you have a quarterback on a rookie deal and then you can spend the money everywhere else. You can't, you would be missing kind of both of those boats if you draft a quarterback here for the Atlanta Falcons is if you sit him for two years, then by the time you start getting into the best part of his career, you're going to already have to be paying him. Yeah, true. If they sign a three-year deal, basically you're going to have him for one year where you're actually using him and now, you kind of miss out on that. I know they do that unrestricted free agent thing. So if he had to sit for two years, he'd have two more years to play without, you know, getting that big deal. And if you wanted the franchise two, tag him. Yeah, well, two years it. after, maybe one year and then the, the second year if he doesn't hold out. Yeah, which, I mean, hopefully he would pop. But, I mean, if you're the Falcons, even if you take a quarterback, you got two second-round picks. Whether if you feel like a wide receiver or an edge rusher is going to fall to you in the second round, keep it. Or package those two picks and trade up in the first round and go get you another guy that you really want. I just I don't I don't know how much Malik Willis fits into what Arthur Smith wants to do. He's a big time play action. We're gonna pound the football at you and then we're gonna hit. He, he maybe he, Malik Willis uh, might fit that. Well, Mobile. he he would it would change. We have I guess the best way of putting it is we haven't seen a quarterback like that with Arthur Smith. No, I mean Tannehill is mobile, but he doesn't have a big arm. Um. I don't know. I mean, it would be int- it's intriguing to me because I do know this. I think Arthur Smith, he's keeping Matt because he wants to keep that winning window in so he doesn't get disposed. Like I think it's I think it's going to think because of that. I think the other thing is the contract is just so Yeah, oh yeah, contract's humongous. So tough to 40, move. It's going to be 48. Yeah, it's going to be 48 this coming year. Yeah, but Malik Willis, I think as far as him I think Arthur Smith wants a mobile guy. Like, you passed up on Fields last year, and that's cool. Okay, you got Kyle Pitts, who I think he's going to be the best player out there draft, possibly. But now you get a chance at another Michael mobile Parsons? Guy. It's, I mean, it's close. Michael I mean, Parsons? I like Michael Parsons, but how long can Michael Parsons keep that? I think Kyle Pitts will be catching passes for 10, 10 to 12 years. Well, I don't so. know if Michael Parsons is going to be, you know, hidden folks. I don't like know. If I, if I was sitting in that war room with the Falcons, it, I'm saying, listen, I know – there's some cool quarterbacks and some intriguing quarterbacks. There's no, like, guarantees, though. No. And so I, I can't risk, like you said, you don't want to be back in the top 10. I can't risk a top 10 pick on an unsure thing. 
I mean, now I, I there is one other player I love, Sauce Gardner. At first, I fell in love with Stingley, but Sauce Gardner, it's like it's two different type of corners you have. You have Terrell, who's kind of that speedster who can do whatever you need. Yeah. Then Gardner's kind of the physical corner, and I think you need the tell of two halves with those well, type of guys. It's interesting you say that because there is a guy after the combine that now I've seen in three different mock drafts him projected to the Atlanta Falcons after an awesome combine performance. We'll talk about it when we come back. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian O'Kell alongside Cam Urshery. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here on this Monday afternoon. Cam, congratulations, man. Both teams from your alma mater. Oh, yeah. Going to the dance. Woo! Kind of. Okay. I'm not going to complain because they both get to go to the dance. The guys, 15 and 12, SEAC champions, eighth seed. Get it. 15 and 12. Usually they, they have to put you in there as an auto bid mm-hmm. if you win a conference champion, but you're almost 500. Eight seed, I think, is fair. Mm-hmm. What they did to the Savannah State women's basketball team, though, I think it was kind of wrong. Oh, yeah. 27 <laughs> and two. You lose by two points in the championship game, and you're an eight seed. Well, I've talked to some of the girls and. They were really upset about that because their two losses are against the sixth seed, who's in their bracket as well, yeah. who's also nationally ranked. Those are the only two losses. You lost them by two in the championship uh, Benedict, game. Benedict, right? Lost them, yeah. yeah, and then lost to them by seven. Other than that, you've beaten everybody, and you've beaten them by double digits, including Tuskegee, who's ranked in the nation as well. Um, it's a tough slot where they put them at, especially at number eight being the lowest seed. Now they have to play the number two team. In Division Two, but they have a lot of team, a lot of talent on that team, and you know, I talked to some of them this morning. They're 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 prepared. They understood kind of where they messed up. They blew a blew a lead against Benedict. Let's just call it what it is. They blew a fourteen point lead. Can you really mess up though if you lose by two in the championship and you went twenty seven and one outside of that? In their minds, they felt like they messed up. Because I mean, yeah, that's a competitor mindset. A, you know, it was a team that they knew they were going to see again. They had lost to them in the beginning of the year then beat them at home, and then they were like, yeah, we're going to see them again. We're going to see them again. And they knew it. You were up 14, and you kind of just folded. That's what happened. That's what they – I'm just telling you what they've told me. They they folded, and they kind of crumbled under pressure because they had never been in that situation. Granted, the other team, Benedict, they've won the championship two of the last three years, so they've been there. So it was a good good thing that they did lose – for their sake, now they're going into the conference. I mean, not the conference, the national championship tournament, March Madness, with a different mindset. As far as the boys, I mean, that's a crazy run they did. They beat yeah. Morehouse, was on an 18-game win streak, who's one of the best teams in the nation, too, and you pulled that off. You haven't pulled off a four-game win streak all year. You wait till the conference tournament. Yeah. It's the best time to do it. Because so. Broadnax got it right. Yeah, yeah, he got them right. He coached them up, and they're in the tournament. Now they're playing the number one team in the country as well, who's 28-0, but... I mean, both teams going dancing hey, couldn't be more proud. Like B.J. Bennett says, there's always a good time to lose because, you mm-hmm. know, statistically, you're probably not going to go 30-0. and 0. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But I'm, I'm proud of both teams. Uh, a lot of cool people on both teams. Well, can, can we say also, it took this, but Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I saw that. The biggest yeah. alum in yeah. Savannah State history finally showing some love. I'm not saying he doesn't <laughs> support his school. I'm just saying for a, for a while, there's just been kind of some like, hey, can we just get some love? 
Yeah, I mean, I understand. We haven't been winning, so there's no love to get definitely the be. The football team went undefeated in the conference play last year. Well, two years ago now. I understand. That was the first year. Maybe Shannon had a lot of things going on. But I've seen where he shouted out Savannah State a few times. Is it, but it was kind of cool to see that. Is it fair to say Savannah State, most successful basketball program in the state of Georgia right now? Absolutely. No, it, it is fair so, I mean, to say Georgia's that. women's team should make the tournament. Georgia Tech's might make the tournament. Georgia State is playing in the conference championship game against Louisiana tonight at 7, but outside of that, it's kind of been a meh year. Yeah, I don't like, think, I think any, like both any school, school. Like, both teams from the school are going yeah, to the going tournament. Dan- going dancing. I would say, yeah, I mean, the girls are 27-2. and two. How much how much better can you get? But it is wrong for them to be slotted at the eighth seed. That, I don't I, – I will never understand that, how you're 27-2 and two and the team you're playing in the number one seed is 26-2. and two. Just doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter if you won your conference tournament. But they feel like they have a lot to prove. And, you know, they play this Friday. I will be watching. Hopefully, you know, they do well and they play well. So Are they undecided. at home? No, they have Where, to travel where's the to travel? Um, Tennessee. For the girls, it's Tennessee. For the boys, they have to travel to, I think, Florida. Um, to play their school. I think it's Nova Southwestern yeah. University, who's number one in the country in the girls' union um, in Tennessee. So they got a lot of traveling to do, but you got to be road warriors at this point, you know. So that's what matters. It is. Well, I guess that was more my question. is like they're not actually regionals yet. They're going to be mm-hmm. playing the teams at home. Yeah, regionals. Like they're going to their schools. I think regionals uh, would be the next. Would be the, I think – I think I saw on the thing it would be the next – if you make it to the next round, mm-hmm. then you go to the re- – it's technically the regionals. Yeah, I know okay. that right now they're playing – you know, they'll be going on the road traveling, and there's nothing wrong with that. Get some yeah. traveling experience, and, I mean, it's when to go home regardless of where you play now. It's a big chance. It's that time of the year where you're all of a sudden during your – like you'll just be sitting in the office and somebody's screaming at 11 o'clock in the morning. You're like, what the – oh, it's basketball season. Yeah, I mean – the, some of the best time throughout this year. March Madness is coming up. D2 starts this week. I know our friend Lindsey Goff scared her – Co-workers yesterday when she was screaming in the office when the Kentucky women's basketball team I upset saw. South Carolina. Yeah, I so, saw. You know, listen. That was a huge upset. Tis the season. Uh, speaking of upsets, could see a surprise pick at number eight. I told you. Three different mock drafts following the combine cam have the same guy going to the Atlanta Falcons. Don't upset me. Do you care to guess? Uh, I get two guesses. Go. Thibodeau? Nope. Evan Neal? Nope, he's not making it that far in any of them. Trevon Walker from the University of Georgia. I think the reasoning behind that is his measurables, right? Mm-hmm. Came in 6'5", pushing 270, and ran a 4-5-1. Okay. And so in that Dean Pease defense, feel like he can play defensive end or kind of like a stand-up outside linebacker rush role. Mm-hmm. Like I said, dude, as a freshman at 280 pounds, was running down on kickoffs. There's a play against Florida where he kind of dropped into like a middle linebacker role, and you're like, okay, if that blitz doesn't get home, it's going to be a bust. Nope, he dropped into that middle linebacker role. Georgia only sent forward, didn't get home. Uh, Anthony Richardson still got the ball off, and Trevon Walker almost picked it, and the ball ended up being intercepted by, I think, Nolan Smith. So, like, the dude can play ball, and I think he can fit a lot of different positions, but I still have the same kind of concern, maybe a little bit less so, because he's not a singular pass rusher. He's just a defensive lineman. And I say just in a very complimentary way, right? He can do, do everything. Five-tool player, right? 
He can stop the rush. He can set the edge. He can get after the passer. Right, You can slide him along a bunch of different parts of the defensive line. I'd feel more comfortable about the Falcons drafting Trevon Walker. Mm-hmm. And I don't want this to come off as homerism. But I'd feel more comfortable about them drafting Trevon Walker than Kayvon Thibodeau. Because you're mm-hmm. not sliding Thibodeau inside. No, you're not sliding inside. I think the thing, the issue I have with the Falcons is you need something that's very impactful on every down. And I'm not saying he's not impactful, but I don't feel like we have a roster that's suited for him to necessarily come in and just be that impactful player that he is because we need so much. I don't think there's any player that could do that anywhere. (sighs) Man, it's it's so tough. You want to talk about like instant impact, and I guess wide receiver, go get Drake London if he's still there, but like. I don't even know if I will take him. But I'm saying, if you're talking about, like, I need instant impact as a rookie, I don't know, outside of a skill guy, what position. Like, maybe another corner? No, I I do feel like Sauce Gardner will be. I mean, I think he's going to be the real deal. But eventually, like, the Falcons were the number 32 in sacks in the NFL last year. Yeah. And I know this is what we've been talking about since, like, 2008. I mean, and that's the thing. I don't – it's so hard to project what they need because they need everything. So, like, with this number eight pick, you couldn't go wrong. Like, if they got Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from oh Iowa, my God. Yeah. Hell yeah. I wouldn't even be Hell mad yeah. because you need you need a center. Look how bad we were with Matt Hennessy at center this year. Here's what I'd say about the interior offensive line is I think that's deeper than some of the other spots. Yes. So, I think you can go, if you feel like a guy's identified, whether it's Thibodeau or Trevon Walker, right? You're like, okay, this guy, I could put him at defensive end, and I have him and Grady Jarrett, and then hopefully Marlon Davidson and some of these other guys can figure it out. And I feel pretty good about the first four guys I'm putting out there. Then you can go get uh, Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, Kentucky right, yeah. in the second round. There's there's a bunch of good, you can, maybe a Sawyer or a Schaefer, mm-hmm. right? Go get one of those guys in the second round because there's going to be a bunch of really good interior offensive linemen. But you need help everywhere. I think corner and wide receiver is kind of where I'm at with that too. Yeah. I think like when the Falcons come back around, a John Mechie or a Jamison Williams cool kid. or a George Pickens. BJ said it the other day. I don't know if you watched him, but he ran a four three six at the combine. I'm like, oh, Christian Watkins from the uh, North Dakota State. Yeah, six five, like two hundred something pounds. Like he's a literal unicorn. He's going to be there in the second round. I don't know if he's going to be a first-round pick. He's going to be a second round. You have two second-round picks. That's why I'm with the Falcons. I don't know what you do, but you definitely create depth in the second round because you have those two picks because one of those picks is from Tennessee, from trading Julio Jones, of course. Um, But that eighth pick, I mean, you could do whatever you want. If you want to get Lindenbaum, cool. If you want to get Sauce, cool. Malik Willis, whoever I think you can literally take best available. Best available. If you're sitting there, there's no position group outside of maybe tackle where you're like, I feel good. Right, mm-hmm. uh, like maybe tackle. You're like, okay, I don't need this. Like Jake Matthews is still an All Pro. Like I'm, 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 I'm okay here. Well, I should say All Pro, Pro Bowl level. Yeah, he's decent. Pro he's Bowl decent. level. I should should have said All Pro. Pro Bowl level, right? But he's solid enough that you don't feel like you need to address that position. Outside of that, I can't think of a position where you need to. Outside of and again, maybe quarterback. You're just like, I'm not worried about it because we have Matt Ryan. Yeah. Everywhere else, you need running backs. You need wide receivers. You don't inherently need a tight end, but there's no guy that's that good up there anyway. But you need defensive ends, you need defensive tackles, you need outside linebackers, you need inside linebackers, you need corners, you need safeties. I mean, yeah. And if you look at where the NFL is going, they're going for nothing but skill guys. So I think that first round, you're going to see a lot of outside of maybe the top ten, because I think some of those guys they need the trench players. But once you go from ten to thirty-one, you're going to see nothing but corners, wide receivers, quarterbacks, 
and possibly maybe some safeties being taken. You're not going to see a lot of like interior D linemen. Um, you're not going to see a lot of interior offense. I think all that's going to be in the second round. And like you said, you could find a Justin Ross in the second or third round, a John Mechie in the second, third round, just because based off them having injuries in the past, you could get those gems and develop them over time. But, I mean, with that eighth pick, if if I seen that Sauce Gardner, Lindenbaum, yeah. and Walker were available, my selection would probably be either Sauce or Malik Willis. Um, with that eighth pick, no, Cam's trying to talk this Malik Willis yeah, thing. Yeah, I am, into, but I would lean towards Sauce. Gardner. It's that time of year. I, I would lean towards Sauce Gardner only because six three two hundred and can move like that and can cover like that. You don't really find that. You don't find that much. Uh, you don't find that anywhere else. Six three two hundred and pair him up with AJ Terrell, who was an all. I would. Be, I would be more happy if they went out and got a big-time offensive lineman or a big-time defensive lineman and then wait to the second round and you can grab like a Roger McCurry out of Auburn. He's not bad. He had the game of his life against Alabama. He's not bad. That dude's a I would, baller. I would love, man, you get two lockdown corners for the next eight years. Okay, here's my thing with A.J. Terrell, and I know D-line. everybody's fallen in love with him since the end of the season, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to say this and we'll go to break. Everybody has fallen in love because of the PFF metrics and because of the amount of completions he had against him. And I have said this since probably the middle of the year. Why would you throw at A.J. Terrell? Yeah. yeah. There's literally 10 other guys that play for the Atlanta Falcons on defense when you go out there. Just ignore him and go at them. And that's what teams did. It's like, okay, A.J. Terrell's over there and Isaiah Oliver's over there. I say this, though. Only reason why I like A.J. Terrell, his potential. Like, his first year, he let's say it, he was getting cooked. But he was playing like Tyreek Hill and yeah. Michael Thomas and Mike. It, that was great for him. But what I'm saying is like everybody has this thought in their head right now where it's okay, I go get this other corner, and all of a sudden we may have the best corner duo in the league. Like I'm nah, I'm pumping I've, my brakes on I that. I think in the next two, three years, they could possibly okay, we got a top five corner duo. Like it's something special that but I think that's that could fine, but if the quarterback has five seconds to throw, it doesn't matter who's and back that, there. And that's where you got to in the second round. Because me personally, if I'm the Falcons, if you don't get a quarterback in that first round, go all defense in this draft. All defense. Get your corner in the first round, and then the second, and, and rest on four, get defense alignment. Um, I'd say that. Like, I, I'd agree with you on that if it wasn't for the fact that they had a, a wide receiver playing running back last year. <laughs> Right, Maybe and, you get the and it's back. not because they had too many wide receivers. No, we had. It's none. because the running backs were bad. Yeah, right. So it's just like there's no. If, if the offense was the offense from four years ago, fine. I'll take. I'd Brees agree Hall. with you on that, but it ain't. It ain't that. I take Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker in the second round if they're there. I'll take them. You got two. You got two picks. Yeah, you got two picks, but one of those needs to be a defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the number they eight do. one. I like the kid from the um, number eight one needs to be a defensive lineman. I like the kid from South Carolina, um, Eskridge, I think. Or it's Edgeridge or something like Kingsley that. Kingsley Anigbare? I don't know his name. Okay. But I know he All is right. an edge rusher. But you like decent. him. Yeah, he's pretty decent. I saw some of his tape. I just don't know his name, though. Kingsley Anigbare? That might be his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, he's he's solid, though. I do like him. Possibly get him in the second round. But there's a lot of options. I'm not a GM. I do radio. It's a, be- it's a beautiful thing about being a Falcons fan is everything is available because you need <laughs> literally everything. Kind of like the Jaguars. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Saw the Batman last night, Cam. I'm kind of jealous, but... First of all, set aside four hours of your time. Because it is a long, 
long movie, but in a good way, right? Where it's every time you feel like it's kind of steering towards the climactic scene. Nope. You're just getting started. Thought the villain was pretty dang good. There were some teasers. It ain't Christopher Nolan, Batman. So the night, it's, it's not, it's not the Dark Knight, but nothing's ever going to be the Dark Knight. Dark Knight's the best superhero movie ever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ever? With the Joker? Yeah. They made better superhero, just like a standalone superhero movie oh, by itself. Oh, standalone. Okay. Well, like, like, standalone. like a movie by itself. Name a no, better. No, 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 no. Standalone, you might have a point. What were you, you, you going to say? No, I thought you were saying superhero movie ever, like, you know, Avengers just doesn't exist at all. So here's the thing about the Avengers is, like, if you're just watching the Avengers, it's really good. But, like, half of the reason why Endgame is so good is all of the emotions that you have from previous movies. I think Infinity it. War was better than Endgame, though. But I'm saying the reason yeah. why it's so good mm-hmm. is because of all of the movies leading up to it, right? Like, you have the Captain America backstory. You have the Iron Man backstory. You have the Black Panther backstory all coming into it, right? Whereas the Dark Knight, from beginning to end, just with the Joker, with the bank robbing scene at the beginning, all the that way through big. with the two fairies going on out there, like, it doesn't get better. It's giving you some, like, GTA heist right. vibes. Yeah, yeah. no, Dark Knight was lit, man. I mean, nothing's going to top that, though, as far as... Especially well, here's what I'll say about this, though. Number one, Robert Pattinson did a really good job. Okay. Like, I didn't think it was possible... Like, coming into that, for me to be like... I, I knew it was going to be more Detective Batman, which is what it was. But I was like, they're going to try to make him seem seem tougher and try to, like, overcompensate for, like, his Twilight and Harry Potter background. Nah, dude was just bad. Like, he was awesome. Hmm. And so he was good there. And then the actual detective side of it was really cool to see. It wasn't just, like, explosions every three minutes. It was kind of more like a Sin City feel to it, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a little too early for you. Mm-mm. I haven't seen Sin City. I don't think But just so. more of that noir style to it. Investigations. I have to see it. I mean... And also maybe best Catwoman since Michelle Pfeiffer. I want to see it because, I mean, I was supposed to go with somebody. Uh-oh. But, you know. Just that's call that. him out. No, I'm, call him out. It's cool. It's Kristen, okay. There my it is. Girlfriend, Kristen. Let, let her know. You know, somebody was too sleepy to go. Kristen, what happened? Too sleepy. Kristen, what happened? <laughs> Can I ask you something? If you're in a movie theater and somebody has their phone out, do you say anything? No. Does I that don't. bother you? Or Not am I just really. old? Not really. It doesn't bother me. Well, you know what? Because it's a dark movie. Like, not like figuratively, like literally. No. The entire dark. movie takes place at night. It is yeah, a, I believe it. It is a dark movie, right? And so somebody with their phone like on full blast in the middle of the theater is super distracting. Just don't be near me. Oh, okay. So if, if you're in the movie theater and you're watching the you're watching like literally a movie that is just at night mm-hmm. and there's a guy one row ahead of you to your left and he just has his phone out in his face on full blast, like on Snapchat, the white background. Uh, you're not you're not going, huh? No, 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 no. I just look at them crazy because I just leave. Or you just like you just alone. like cover your, you cover your mouth so they don't know where the phone comes up. Put your phone away. <laughs> My friends would do that. I'm more of the chill person. I just go in public and I'll just look at the person for a while. I mean, wait, do I have time for this? No, okay. Just getting off topic. Like today, I, I'm literally driving into the office, and I kid you not, this is not a lie. 
I'm driving and a car is coming this way towards me on the road, the opposite way, about to hit me. Wait, head like on. on the interstate? No, oh. on the road, right beside Bromelli Boys. Okay. And I'm yelling like on the wrong side of the road, and the lady just did not care. Like, just didn't care. Looked at me crazy like this when I swerved to the right lane and just did this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. I, I guess we on that type of time today, huh? I don't know how we got there from uh, somebody with their phone at a theater, but I appreciate it. Because <laughs> I'm usually not a rude person, but that made me... I was Is really it rude. rude if you're responding to rudeness? No. There's clearly a giant graphic before the movie starts that says, please put your please phone put away. Please put your phone away. Yeah. And you know what? I'm fine if you have to be on your phone, but there's this really cool thing. If you go to your phone, you can adjust your brightness, and if you drag it all the way down to where it's like that, cool. I don't care. That's fine. I try not to be on my phone for the most part in the movies, especially with a three-hour movie like Batman. Like, Pay attention. Those are the best movies. You pay attention to detail. Because you might miss something from the beginning that might be important at the end. So pay attention. I'm ready to go see it, but I have to wait till freaking Saturday to go see it. That's tough. How long do you have to wait for spoiler alerts? Like, I will block people if they spoil <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm so serious. I really I don't think this is like a spoiler. Like, There's no like, oh, moments in it. I didn't see all. nobody tweeting about it on Twitter, which is great. But as soon as somebody does tweet it, I will block Okay, them. it's been like five years since this happened, but I, the best spoiler alert ever is Cody used to always just deep dive into, like, finding spoilers for Game of Thrones. And he, like, just texted me, PJ, and Kevin, who were all emotionally invested in that series. The I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. Nah, but there's a do. one of the biggest moments in the entire series is when one of the dragons gets killed and, by the Night King mm -hmm. and then comes back as hit the Night King's dragon with blue eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the biggest moments. So what does Cody send us? A picture of the dragon with the blue eyes. <laughs> and if you're screaming in your car about spoiler alerts now, it's been like five years since this happened. There has to be some sort of expiration date on spoiler alerts. I say after six months. Even, no, I'd say no, a week. No, no. I would say this. About a hot movie, I give you about I give you about two weeks. For no, I'll give you a movie. week. I, I give you two movies. If you if you actually care about the spoilers, if you actually care about like the emotionally invested in the movie and you care about the spoilers, you'll go in the first like, week. Like like my friends were sitting here telling me about you know Spider Man. Why are you telling me, dude? It's been three months. What yeah. do you mean? Yeah, I'm going to say something about Spider Man. A week is not bad. Eventually, eventually we have to be able to talk about it. This Saturday will make a week for me, so a week is not bad. Okay, I'll give you that. After a week, yeah, you can start spoiling. But luckily, there's like really nothing to spoil. It's just a cool Batman movie. Cool. Feels more like the Michael Keaton Batman movie than Joker it did than the uh, Christian Bale Batman movie. But I thought, I thought it was good. Thought Mr. it was Joker good. would come back, Mister Joker. I do. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. That's all I'm gonna say. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Wrap up second down next. Roop and Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett with a day off. He will be back tomorrow. But Cam, you said uh, before you came on the show, you were observing some of the barbershop conversation between. <laughs> LeBron James and Antonio Brown. It was hilarious. What, what, what was it about it? Man, uh, just... Because you just came in like chuckling, like a smile on your face that you rarely have when you're coming in here to start the show. Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, their, their relationship, saying how Ben used to say, well, you know, if Antonio could get open and then, ben, and then Antonio was like, well, if you stop throwing the ball at the freaking D-lineman, maybe I'll have a chance <laughs> to catch the ball. You know, it was just it was just hilarious. The interview itself was funny, and you kind of got to see the. I mean, Antonio Brown is a comedian in general with his actions, but you kind of got to see that side with talking in the barbershop with Draymond and LeBron and Antonio. It's really cool, and I got to see Lamar Jackson 
um, in the barbershop too with Draymond and LeBron. It's a really cool show, man. I well, enjoy no, it's, it. It's not just that. Like it, That's a phenomenally produced show, but just uh, all around what Brandon Marshall's been doing and just like hearing athletes interview athletes and just the completely different way that interviews go, it's cool. And it's just kind of the way media is moving towards is you don't have to have this platform to get your voice out anymore. You can go out there and start your own media company right now if you're an athlete and get your message out there the way you wanted to. So I thought that was fascinating. I think it's cool. Just look, it's good to see you come in smiling. All right. Usually Cam comes hilarious. in shaking his head. He's like, I got to deal with this guy for the next <laughs> hour. But it is what it is. If you missed any portion of the show today, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com. Three and out coming up next. Ben Troop and Kevin Thomas breaking down everything 